Hello, and welcome to the Let's Talk Transformation podcasts. In this episode, we will be looking at the changing world of business and the leadership that's necessary to get there. I'm delighted to welcome Rick Ivanovich, CEO and founder of TRG International and author of Business as Unusual. Rick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Susie. It's a, it's a pleasure um, to have you. Yeah, before we start, <laughs> I'd like to share you a core belief that I hold quite dear. I believe that we all have the potential to be architects of change. So in an era, in this time that we have, in this business as unusual time that we have, which is being defined by constant change, constant transformation, black swans, you name it, (laughs) our task is not just to keep up and keep our head above the water, but to actively shape our path forward. Absolutely. Uh, So look at my path from stacking shelves and learning the ropes of people management as a trainee in a supermarket yeah. to immersing myself in the precise world of accounting yeah. and later navigating the constantly sort of evolving landscapes of tech. I've turned into a techie and humans. Yeah, so my own transformation, my own story sort of demonstrates the power of this continuous learning and the significant impact each one of us can make. So Mm. every day our actions, big or small, Mm. shape our future. And as I hope as we discuss Bao today, I want everyone listening to remember this. You are your brand, and every decision you make is part of your unique story that you are crafting for yourself, how you react, how you adapt, how you innovate in the face of change and all this stuff that's happening in the world mm. today will define your story and your legacy. And this belief, which is sort of inspiring each of us to aim for that consistently higher achievement, is the cornerstone of my work. It's actually my life purpose. So as we dive into this conversation today, let's not just think about adapting to change mm. or reacting to change but about how we can define it. After all, when we embrace our unique qualities, and we all have them, Mm. and we strive for that personal growth, we are not just a participant, we're not just a passenger, but we're a catalyst in our ever-changing world, which is a business as unusual world. So Let's get started, Susie. Yeah, and thank you for that. It's a great lead into lots of things I wanted to unpack. And if I take so business as unusual, because following the pandemic, you know, we changed a lot of the way we work, a lot of the way we think about why we work, how we work to come back to your purpose discussion, which is picked up, of course, throughout your book, but also the idea of legacy and why am I doing what I'm doing? I love the fact that it's unusual. You know, you say about the new normal, which got coined as a phrase, which doesn't really ring true for me. And I found that in your book of it's not new normal. Nothing's normal about it. In fact, it's unusual. And the way that companies are functioning and motivating their people is unusual compared to beforehand. And the way that people want to be motivated, I would even be bold enough to say, is also maybe unusual to what the industrial age brought us as, as a paradigm and leadership paradigm. And which brings me to what something I really liked, which is eclectic leadership. You talk about eclectic leadership. I want to start there, uh, Rick, because this idea of eclectic yet connected, simple yet complex, and the polarities of 
you know, unique individual difference, but we still need to motivate each other and do something bigger than us. So in your book, you use the castle as a metaphor for this. And we find a lot of what you've just said in the diff- in the structure of a castle and different towers and, and everything else. But before we do, can I ask you about your inspiration for that? Why a castle? And can you tell us a little bit more about the bow castle? I'm going to call business as unusual bow from now on. So that it does, otherwise it's a bit tongue tying. Okay, thanks for that opening question. It's a big one. Yeah, I only do big <laughs> questions. <laughs> so there's sort of two or three things there, like is like why a castle and this eclectic word which you like. So so you want to know about that and what does this whole castle metaphor mean anyway? Yeah. So I'll, I'll sort of do it in that in that order. So why a castle? Quite simple. I like castles. <laughs> okay, next. <laughs> <laughs> I like them. No kings, queens, knights, towers, mages, stone walls, all that yeah. kind of stuff. I love it. Yes, I love the Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah, yes, me too. I like Harry Potter as well. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, castles. <clears throat> but, you know, it's something that I don't know. It's a structure that each of us have an idea about, mm. and since we're all different, we all have different ideas. Mm. You know. Mm. You know, and so when I talk about a castle, yeah, people know what I'm talking about, a castle. Yeah. Because that's that's really where it come comes from. So let me talk a little bit about that eclectic thing yeah. <laughs> before I dive into and dissect all the, the different bits of the castle anyway. <laughs> so where did the eclectic bit come from? It didn't come from me. <laughs> a few years back, I was actually applying for a board position. And they went and asked me for a CV. <laughs> I hadn't written a CV for about you know, three decades or yeah. more. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> so I thought, Ooh, okay. I reached out into my network and I said, oh, can someone help me? Uh, can someone do it, like, professionally? And I found someone who that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And I explained my background <laughs> from supermarkets to, you know, defence manufacturing to uh, IT, mm-hmm. all, all sorts of things. Yeah. So your eclectic said, background. It's <laughs> a bit eclectic. <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, I like that. That's stuck. You know, oh. I, I, I'm going to hold on to that. Yes, I have an eclectic, you know, I'm, a, I'm an eclectic experience. And I said I have an eclectic leadership style. So if I was being you know, in the book, what does it really mean if it sound, needs to sound a little bit more um, intelligent, shall mm. we say, <laughs> rather than just something that a, a CV writer wrote me? And he's, he's a really good guy, actually, by the way. You know, that eclectic leadership style, it's a leadership style that blends. It's a blend of various theories, various styles, various approaches. You know, eclectic leaders isn't, isn't someone who's bound by one particular model, but has adapted different strategies depending on what the situation is it's contextual mm. what mm. the team needs maybe what the organization needs or what bow is throwing at us mm. you know what covid had to do what it did to us mm. and it's also linked to their personal strengths and experiences so it's flexibility yeah it's adaptability it means the person is capable of leveraging the strengths of the different types of leadership. And if we go through the list of what they have been in, yeah. in the recent few decades, so transformational leadership, mm. transactional right. leadership, yeah. servant leadership, autocratic, democratic, you know, you name the style, is you know, is has been there for the last hundred years or whatever. So that eclectic leader is open to them all, to learning them all, and you know, is not really thinking that one size fits all, which is why it's a blend. Mm. So ultimately, what the person's doing is is they're going to 
pick the most effective strategy, the most effective tool mm. from a whole variety of styles. So it's like they've got a big toolbox. So in mm. summary, I'm old. Okay, I'm older, <laughs> mature. Okay, more experienced. More experienced. <laughs> yeah, I've learned a lot of stuff. I know a lot of models. I've got a lot. Of, I've got this huge toolbox, and I don't just see everything. You know, I don't just have a hammer and everything's a nail. I've got yeah. a whole toolbox of stuff. Mm. Okay, and that's what I call eclectic leadership. And but more importantly, wouldn't it be great? Oh, I think it would have been greater if I had all these tools decades ago oh yeah, yeah, tell me <laughs> yeah. okay so again for for listeners you know you know if i had known that they were that important <laughs> i would have acquired them a lot earlier so what mm. i've tried to do in the book is put a load of them in there a lot of different thoughts and tools and models mm. and you can pick and choose mm. what you want try them try you know in one section i might mention three four five different things try them all yeah. Throw the ones away that you don't like, embrace the ones that you do, add them together, improve them. Yeah, create the model that works for you and everything else. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Rick, the castle. Just before we go to the <laughs> castle, just before we go to the castle, Rick, do you think that the fact that you have had a very eclectic career and mm. done lots of different things in different places, completely different um, sort of industries, do you think that that's had an influence on the way you define or the way you view leadership and eclectic leadership? Yes, I think Mm. so. I mean, arguably, one could say that if you only worked in one industry, you only have the one perspective. Exactly. It's a bit like working for one company for your whole life. Yeah. And maybe certain industries have more stereotypical type of leadership. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, since I've all over the shop, (laughs) as it were, they're very, very different from each other. They really are. It takes a certain type of person to go into a certain industry and want to be a leader of that. So the the leaders that I've met, the managers I've worked under mm. in all these different industries, yeah, has has just shown me, yeah, it's different perspectives. Mm. And it's just soak it all in. Mm. Soak it all in, and I'm going to pick and choose the ones that I want that suit me. Mm. And I like that because we're back to choice. And I loved what you said at the beginning. We are choice. agents of our own life. We are. Mm. We always have a choice. Mm. Even in COVID, we mm. had choices. We just <laughs> couldn't choose for COVID not to happen. But we had choices within those constraints. So, yeah. So take us to the castle. Tell us about the okay. castle. Okay. The castle metaphor, the castle analogy, whatever you want to call it. So I said I like castles. I'm a Brit as well. I'm a Brit, by the way. <laughs> okay. So... Let's go back to history. Yep. Okay. In England, there was an English judge, okay, called Sir Edward Coke. This is going back to, I know, some centuries ago, yep. who said, the house of everyone is to him as his castle and fortress, as well as for defence against injury and violence, as for his repose, which in modern day English really means a man's home is his castle. Thank you okay. for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, simple, right? Yeah. So, you know, we I know that. That's a more, I'd say that's more of a Brit thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, what does a castle really symbolise? Well, it, it symbolises many things. Home, mm. safety, sanctuary, refuge, sanctity, structure, strong foundations, nobility mm. of character and mind worthiness, honour, respect, 
aspirations, community impact, and legacy. Mm. Okay. So in the castle and the bow book, we have eight structures. Okay. So I'll name each of them one by one and uh, what they each represent. Mm. Okay. Now, as it's a metaphor, I've taken the liberty to merge multiple historical castle building concepts. So any castle experts out there, sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I, I will be picking it. you up on that. I'm not a castle expert. <laughs> <laughs> so, so before you say, that's wrong, uh, okay, <laughs> I, I'm taking a bit of poetic license here. Good. So let's start off with the innermost structure of the castle, which is its strongest and mm. it's your stronghold. Mm. It's called the inner keep. Okay. And in a castle, it's innermost, it's internal, it's inside of you. Mm. Okay. Now, in the castle metaphor in the book, we have four towers in the keep. The first I call the tower of purpose. And this re- represents your values, your life purpose, your goals, and what you mentioned before, mm. your legacy. legacy. Because mm. it's like your compass, your North Star, people call it mm. uh, like that. So I imagine this very tall tower, which you can see, you know, even if you're outside the castle, you can see from miles away. Oh, there it is, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, y- you can help orientate mm. yourself. Okay. So that's the first tower. The next tower is I call the Tower of Life Force. And this represents how you manage your herbs. And I use the oh, acronym. Oh, yes. Yeah. Herbs. I like the acronym herbs. Your health your energy, your rest, your balance, and your stress. So that's the second tower. Sounds simple. It sounds simple. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. That's another important tower. Okay. The third tower is the Tower of Mind. Okay. And this is, this represents how you show up, your habits, your behaviors, Mm. and your Kaizen, which I personally interpret as lifelong learning and growth. Yeah. And finally, the Tower of Self, and, and there are four selves, self-confidence, self-efficacy, self-worth or self-value, and self-motivation. So those four towers form the inner keep. So if we get, mm. imagine a tower, you get, uh, sorry, imagine a castle, and this inner keep is that structure right in the middle with four towers, and they're all connected. So mm. they actually all support each other. Mm. Okay? They all support each other. Okay, going back to the book again, there's something I said that I use something from the sort of uh, Alexander Dumas, you know, the the three musketeers, yes. one for all and all for one. Uh, you know, so I see that very much those 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 four towers working together, you know, as a very very strong structure. Mm. Okay, uh, so moving on now in French. Uh, okay, <laughs> you're in France. <laughs> <laughs> the word, and I'm going to pronounce it very badly, uh, donjon means an inner tower in a castle. And it was originally used in the English language interchangeably with keep. I mean, we do that, don't we? Yeah, we do. Destroy (laughs) other people's language. So we'll take that donjon and we'll call it something else. We'll call it keep. Okay, and from about, I think it was about the 14th century, the English word dungeon Dungeon. started appearing Mm. and was referred to as the underground prison in a castle and is usually underneath the inner keep. So the fifth structure in, in my castle is the dungeon and it's underneath the inner keep. And, and to me, it represents coaching. Okay. Yeah, I found that and, fascinating. Um, <laughs> yeah, why? Why? Dungeon coaching, what is that? <laughs> yeah, because we may need to inflict some pain mm-hmm. when we're coaching yeah. because growth can only occur 
when you're being stretched beyond your comfort zone. So stretching, dungeon, on the rack, you know, know, so you're being stretched. Okay, so there's a bit of pain there. Mm. Uh, No, I don't actually put people on the rack and I don't actually torture them, but, you know, it's just another analogy. And so, yeah, are you prepared to have some dungeon coaching, which means we really have to have a very, very strong trust, Mm. bond of trust between Mm. us because I'm going to sort of lovingly press your buttons and Mm. I'm going to inflict some pain. You know, there's some things that you might not want to talk about, you're in avoidance in, and that is going to be a raw nerve that I'm going to touch. Deeper questions, isn't it? Touch deeper questions and you're going to have to stretch yourself. You know, it's Mm. going to be quite painful for some people. (laughs) It can be. But it's it's not my default way of coaching it's you know it's it's part of a journey uh we do normal coaching before we get that deep <laughs> okay so for those listening rick also does normal coaching <laughs> not just dungeon coaching <laughs> i'm a nice person really <laughs> okay okay now that was the inner keep and beneath the inner keep now around that in a castle it's an area called the bailey in our castle the bailey can expand mm. so the castle walls expand as we foray beyond them extending our domain and as the Bailey buildings grow. The Bailey consists of three buildings. Uh, The first one I call the Great Hall, which represents community, Mm. culture, and leadership. It's where, you know, in in the olden days, medieval times, the Great Hall is where, you know, the the king of the castle, queen of the castle, lords of the castle would entertain. They'd bring in, you know, their, their, their followers, their villagers, you know, their friends, you know, they come to visit. Okay, and so that's where they forge community, where they forge connections, where they do their business. But it's also where they shape and display their culture Mm. Okay, Mm. Uh, and their leadership. The next building is the stables, which represents looking forward, transforming and searching for satisfaction. Mm. So the stables, horses, jump on your horse, get out of your castle, go out into the distance. Go, go foraging, go searching, go yeah. further, expand your domain, look for something, mm. okay? And one of the analogies I'm using is searching for satisfaction, yeah. okay? Because a lot of us aren't really satisfied, and especially mm. now with this COVID or post-COVID or whatever it's called these days. Unusually it's still, called. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're still not quite right. Yeah. We don't feel quite right, okay? And finally, yeah. the last building is the treasury which represents your finances, which comprise your income and your net worth. Mm. Okay. Mm. So building your castle in the shape that you want it uh, helps you see which areas of your life you need to focus on to maintain balance and fulfill your life purpose and your legacy. And so it goes back to you need to architect, (laughs) architecture change, Mm. and you've got to build your castle in the shape and size that you want. It's your castle. Yeah, yeah. So just imagine your castle. You know, what would it look like for you? Yeah. I think it's interesting to look at because you're automatically, and we come back to things around innovation and mindset, you're automatically in your biases to all the castles you've ever seen, which don't all look the same, but, but you know, they're, they're more or less standard mm-hmm. to the one I would see myself building if it was my castle. So it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting question. It's like uh, it's like building your own home, isn't it? It just yeah. has to be a castle, you know, like think big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Multiply the number of towers and make it collective and that type of thing. 
But I would like to come back to uh, the importance of the inner keep and the formula that you use of no, the no and the go. So, you know, when you say be yourself, but always your better self, you talk about the no and the go. Can you just explain that a little bit more about what's behind the no and the go? Because I think it's really, really linked to what you've said when we first came on the podcast, which is you are your own agent of change. And therefore, you build your own castle and you decide what it looks like and how you do it. Great question. So um, that be yourself, but always your better self, the know and the go, that is really talking about the Tower of Self mm. was from that chapter, which has four selves. I mentioned that before, the self-confidence, the self-efficacy, the self-worth, self-value, and the self-motivation. Okay. Now, the no relates to three of them. Mm. That's the self-confidence, the self-efficacy, the self-worth, self-value. So why is that? Yeah. Well, so <laughs> that was my so question. I, yeah, I was answering the question before you asked it. Yeah. Or asking the question before you asked it. <laughs> self-confidence is is knowing, there's the no, and trusting in yourself and your abilities. So there's mm. the no. That's why it's a no. Mm. Self-efficacy is believing in your own ability to succeed. So that belief, that's, again, based on on knowing, Mm. okay? And the self-worth and self-value is also believing you are worthy of success and that you bring value to the world. So Mm. they're all no. They're all, all three of them are no's. You know it, you believe it, Mm. okay? That's that's the no, which only leaves us one more of the selves, which is the go, that self-motivational motivation. Hmm. Now, people talk about motivation and self-motivation. I, I'm saying that the tower is about a self-motivation rather than motivation because they're subtly different, hmm. okay? So I personally define motivation as the reason humans do things, okay? And I define self-motivation as that internal force inside of us that drives us to do something. Okay, so when you've got that internal force, you're going to do it. Yeah. If you don't have that internal force, (laughs) you ain't going to do it. Mm. So that's why it's a go. It's an it's an action. Mm. Okay, and I love the fact that's where it's coming from. Yeah. Thank you, and I love the fact if we step um, a chapter before that and the Tower of the Mind, you look Mm -hmm. at Kaizen, Mm. and you know you've already said it was about growth mindset and and lifelong learning mm. and mm. you know as a lean expert a former lean expert I'm <laughs> I'm massively into Kaizen partly for the mindset mm. that's behind it um mm. and also you know to pick up what you were talking about coming from a place of abundance and not scarcity so I'm not sure if it's self-worth I'm not sure if I'm worth it if I come from what I call self-unfoldment as opposed to self-improvement and I say okay mm. I'm not deficient I'm starting whole just as I am and I'm from a place mm. of abundance how much further can I go and build on my strengths, which is essentially what I'm reading into your self-motivation. So mm-hmm. if I've if I've got that self-motivation, okay. I will. So for me, Kaizen is ultimately an infinite game. Therefore, if mm-hmm. I look at Simon, what you talk about, Simon Sinek, but also yeah. you, Rick, and, and your thought leadership on that, on what Kaizen brings to the tower of the mind, let's put it mm-hmm. that way. Can you mm-hmm. extrapolate a little bit more on why Kaizen and mm-hmm and what it brings to the tower of, of the mind, and particularly mm. the habits it creates. Because having motivation is one thing. Creating a system for sustainable, for the castle to mm. stay upright, let's put it that mm. way, um, mm. is different, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Okay, great question, great question. So 
Okay, um, Kaizen. Let's go back to Kaizen. So Kaizen, as we know, is Japanese for change for good, mm. uh, which I did, as I said before, interpret this as meaning uh, something slightly different. So the, the way that I look at it is, is nothing is perfect. Okay. Thus, we have to, with Kaizen, we have to embrace and commit never-ending, lifelong yeah. improvement of ourselves and all that we do. Okay. Mm. So it's not just you know, learn something, which is yeah. self-improvement, it's improve on what we know. And also maybe process, you know, in a work context, processes that we are following, yeah. you know, they're not static. No. You know, it's not, we don't do, you know, we do it this way because we've been doing it for three decades. It's no, it doesn't work like that anymore. We've got to change it. You yeah. Know, that, that's the Kaiser mentality. So every day, part of our job, is to work on ourselves. So we got to learn something new every day. We've got to be yeah. curious. Yeah. We've got to ask why. We've got to be that, you can call it, annoying, insatiable child that we used to be, that was thirsting for knowledge. And, you know, we used to be like that until mm. it was beat out of us, as it were. Yeah. Uh, we need to, to, you know, to read, you know, read 10 pages of a good book every day, I advocate. Yeah, and apparently everybody in your organisation does that. That's part of the rituals of your organisation I was reading. Yes, 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 it it is. I'm a really big reader. Now, I devour books. I I like physical books, but again, we've had COVID. You know, the cost of buying anything on Amazon, the the, the cost of shipping is the cost of about three books. So physical books... You know, I've got to go to electronic ones now or audio books. I do a lot of audio books. Yeah, I still prefer so, physical uh, books. Yeah, so do I. But, but I understand the cost implications of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and going back to Kaizen, so Kaizen is that lifelong improvement. But the other thing uh, linked to it is reflection because mm. we need, you know, to consider what is going on, um, you know, so we can reconsider what do we learn, what more do we need to learn. And as you already said, it's infinite. So it's an, mm. it's, it is linked to that infinite mindset, which mm. is based on a growth mindset or is linked to a growth mindset. Mm. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, I experienced Kaizen on the supply chain. I experienced the flow mm. of you know, what Kaizen can do in the sort mm. of manufacturing supply chain uh, scenario. But I think it's interesting to apply it to your mind and also to the discipline that comes from creating habits. <laughs> because you, yeah. know, you can do it once, but unless you create habits it's hard to create a system, an internal system that means that that will be um, mm. a sustainable change, which, you know, and your book mm. is full of practical proposals for that. Like you mm. said before, lots of tools, things that have worked for you, things that haven't worked for you, things that other things that you've put together and, you know, made the Rick model out mm. of that you're mm. now uh, sharing with us very generously. And I loved uh, when you talk about purpose and acknowledgement and your, I love the acknowledgement jar. And I was wondering if you could walk our listeners through that for a very good reason. A lot of my clients and the people I I work with and coach don't like journaling. And they Mm. don't, you know, so and if journaling doesn't work for you, there are other alternatives. Mm. And for me, this is one of them. So it would be great if you could share it with our listeners. Mm. I think it's a great idea. Okay, so the, um, what you call it, the uh, acknowledgement, I thought you called the acknowledgement jar, yeah? Jar, yeah. This was a way of building uh, self-confidence. Mm. And so basically, one way to build uh, self-confidence is to make a note of your achievements. Now, we could do that 
now, you know, in the book, I'll take you through and mm. in my masterclass, I'll take you through. Think of your achievements when you're in primary school or whatever, you know, all that stuff. You know, mm. if you got gold star or whatever you got. <laughs> but, you know, on a more practical thing on a day to day basis, <laughs> whenever you've achieved something, write it down. OK, and if you don't like journaling, as you said, write it down on a slip of paper and then mm. roll up that bit of paper and pop it into a jar. And then think of another when another achievement happens, write that down and also write it on a piece of paper, roll it up, pop it in the jar. Mm. OK, and uh, keep on doing that. And obviously mm. the jar fills up, doesn't it? <laughs> um, and when you have one of those days uh, where you need a boost, you know, one of those darker days <laughs> when the world is against us. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, reach into that jar and pull one out. It's like a fortune cookie thing, you know, mm. and just read it and go, oh, okay, that was one achievement. And that's a, a little little boost, okay? Mm. Uh, you know, a little uh, a dose of, uh, of dopamine. And, you know, read another one and another mm. one. Just keep reading them until you've had enough and you feel better. Okay, mm. then roll them back up again pop them back in the jar. And, and I have a few um, uh, uh, clients and uh, they literally got cupboard fulls. They got, well, not cupboard fulls. They got a cupboard full of them and they do one for each year. Mm. Oh, that's okay? a great idea. And, and they say, all right, or oh, can I have a bigger jar for this year? Let's see if I yeah. can do more. Yeah, that's what some people do. I mean, I like how you say some of your clients, they don't like journaling because that's the other way of doing it. You know, have yeah. a journal and yeah. you write it down and then you open your journal. Mm. But you can say that that's in, in a list order. The The jar is, is is a very random thing. Yeah. Okay. And another thing, actually, it just triggered something. I had one of my clients and she did this exercise with her husband. Interesting. Okay? <laughs> and when they achieve something together, like, uh, and uh, their achievement could just be a recognition of gratitude, like they helped one another or they did something great together, they went on holiday. It doesn't matter what they did. Mm. It's a shared experience or yeah. something they really remember about the other. They also put that on a scrap of paper, roll it up, put it in the jar. And so when they're having a little bit of mm. <laughs> friction, <Yeah. laughs> it's okay, let's sit down and let's have a look, look at the jar and let's pull out a few things and they can recall all the wonderful times that they have definitely had together. And that really helps get them over that road bump in their relationship. Yeah. And, and I, I like it because it's visual and I'm quite a visual person, but I also, mm. I mean, teams could do a lot with that idea, couldn't they? Because we all, mm. we've all been sat in teams at mid-year or when budget review comes and they cut the budget for mm. whatever reason. And it's not necessarily mm. because you haven't achieved mm. everything that you're mm. meant to achieve. So it's mm. quite nice, isn't it? As a, you know, to acknowledge what we've done. And mm. as humans, we need to be heard, seen, acknowledged, mm. valued, don't we? And which, mm. which brings me back to the castle. So understanding mm. everything that's in the castle. I mean, your metaphor is very, we've looked at the different parts, but it's actually a holistic metaphor, isn't it? I mean, mm. can I just look at one tower, uh, Rick, or should I be constantly looking at the whole system? You do need to, I mean, again, if you look at a castle, mm. in my analogy, it's supposed to have these eight buildings. It might be a different castle if it only had one of them. Mm. Okay. <laughs> it might look a little bit, mm. I've got one tower, where are the other three? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so there, there, <clears throat> are, there are missing bits. So I think it is important to have them all. Now, there's another way of looking at the castle, okay? 
which I have, I specifically have not mentioned in the book. Oh, tell me. Tell me. But coaches may see, you know, may use a different analogy because I don't, I don't know anyone who's used a castle analogy before. No, me neither. <laughs> coaches use a life wheel. Mm. So what's a life wheel? It's a wheel, it's a round thing, and it has spokes, and each spoke is one aspect, mm. okay? Now, so you, if you look, you can look at the wheel of life, mm. look at the life wheel. You can look at the cast of life if you want, but I'm not, I'm not saying that, okay? I don't want to have an argument about wheels. No, all castles. <laughs> okay. So I get, you know, I get the whole concept of the life wheel. I've done it so many times when I've been coached over the last don't know how many years. Mm. Okay. And every single time I did it, I had a problem with it. Okay. Okay. Because the whole idea of that life wheel is you're scoring the different spokes, the different dimensions from maybe zero, which is the middle, yeah. okay, to 10, which is mm. the rim. And obviously, re- wheels around. That means yeah. everything must be 10. And I'm going, no, mm. but mm. I have a jaggedy wheel, so I've got a bumpy, wonky, terrible wheel. You know, that's why it doesn't run very well. Mm. <laughs> maybe that's why I'm out of balance. And, and even if I worked on all of those things, I don't want them all to be a 10 because some of them no. are less important to me. Yes. And I just had that problem. And that's also the way I think. It doesn't help that I'm a hyperachiever and a jaggedy wheel just does not compute. Do it for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just do, it doesn't do it for me. Okay. And actually, <laughs> all right. So that's why I have a castle. Okay. And, but it, and you know, hmm? go on. Yeah. I'm like a castle. They're, they're not all the same. No. And they're not all round. We have round towers and square ones. And so going back to this anyway, in the Tower of Life Force, you know, we said it was herbs, the mm. health, energy, rest, balance, and stress. I believe that the, the meaning of life is rooted in feeling well, yeah. thinking well, and doing well. Mm. Okay. So one of the, well, the purpose of the Tower of Life Force is to manage and take care of this life force energy because it's not an endless supply. No, clearly. Okay? Mm. It's like a battery. It needs mm. to be recharged. Since we're all unique, we each drain differently and we each recharge differently. Mm. So balance is one part of the herbs. And it's really look at the whole castle, being very, very holistic about it. Mm. And it's also important, balance is also important because one person simply can't do everything. Yeah. Okay? We go back to that thing, choice. <laughs> Choices have to be made. Mm. And some people strive for perfect balance. Let's have that perfectly round wheel. Let's have yeah. a 10 on everything. But as Voltaire said, perfect is the enemy yeah. of good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we know that you can't, you know, project management and all that, lean Kaizen, all of these yeah. things. Perfection is the enemy of good. So the balance here I'm really talking about is not about work-life balance, which I disagree with, and <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> I don't, I disagree with the terminology. Yeah, me too. I mean, <laughs> you know, work life. Why not life work? But exactly. You know, why, why anyway, <laughs> that's a whole um, different podcast. <laughs> it's not work, not work life. It's not life work. It's not either word. It's just balance. Okay. Mm. So I mean, keeping the different elements of the castle in balance. Mm. Okay. 
So if something is out of balance for us as an individual, so in your castle, if something is out of balance about it, it's going to drain us more than it should as compared to if it was in balance. Mm. So being out of balance is a contributor to stress. That can lead to a bit of anxiety. Then we're going to a mm. downward spiral and we can't sleep. We can't go rest. you know. Okay. So when we look at the cast, when we reflect or not, we need to sort of consider what, what needs attention. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and we need to make choices to deal with that. And you mentioned before habits. So I do recommend starting with the Tower of Life Force because if you haven't got any, any energy, energy, you don't feel great, <laughs> you can't do very much. Okay. We need to find those habits that will help us strengthen and improve the Tower mm. of Life Force. Mm. You know, because we are looking at many different things there. Balance is, you know, that's reflection and seeing how things are going. But, you know, how is our health? Mm. You know, are we getting enough exercise? Are we eating well? Mm. Uh, how is our energy level? I mean, are we leaping out of bed in the morning and we have energy all the day, or are we going through our peaks and troughs during the day? Are we getting enough rest? Mm. Uh, and we all recharge differently. And how are we coping with that stress, which we must have? We can't eliminate it. We must have. Mm. Okay. That's what I'm really sort of looking at on the on the holistic mm. side. And I think particularly because energy is not endless, as you say, and people react differently to stress don't they? So what stresses one person won't stress another. Somebody's capacity for stress won't be the same, which is why I like the importance that you put on the inner keep around really Mm. understanding Mm. who I am, Mm. what I'm about, Mm. what triggers me, uh, Mm. where I I have strengths, Mm. where I have shadow sides. I think that's really Mm. important and particularly important and time is running, but I really would like to touch this. I really liked in terms of navigating complexity to bring it back to business a little bit, you know, pivoting when you have to in terms of uncertain times and the reframing of VUCA, so volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous, Mm -hmm. into transformational VUCA, Mm. which gives a different acronym. I would love it if you could just quickly walk our listeners through that because I hear VUCA all the time, as does everyone, and it really put a different lens on it for me, Rick. So, one, thank you for that. <laughs> and two, um, how did you get to those words? And can you just walk us through that process a little bit? Okay, let's go back to sort of VUCA. The mm. I, I think it's it's been sort of... Overused. <laughs> it's, it's been flogged to death. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's actually been flogged to death, you know. So the volatile, uncertain, uh, complex and, and ambiguous... Why did I come up with it? I think it's because I think one of the one of my coaches, whilst I was, you know, just prior to doing the book, started introducing VUCA leadership. And then VUCA mm. leadership really started uh, taking off. And I said, yeah, I mean, VUCA has been around since the 80s. It's a bit old. And as you said, it's a bit mm. beaten up. It's a bit flogged to death, a bit like flogging a dead horse. We need to change it to something else. And that's why I thought I just got to change the acronym. And it's got to change to something else. So if you look at volatile, the first V, how do we overcome volatility? And one way to overcome it is to inspire vision. Okay. So when things are changing all around us and, Mm. oh, what do we do now? If someone can shine a light on we're going over there, why we're going over there, and you fully embrace it, 
that removes the volatility because now I can latch onto something. I guess mm. I'm getting the compass out. We're going mm. that way. We're going north. Mm. And so I can get alignment with that and, phew, that's better. Mm. The next one is being uncertain. That's the, the, the you of the VUCA. So we, we overcome uncertainty by, by creating understanding. Yeah. Okay. We can create understanding by inspiring motivation. Because at the end of the day, motivation is self-motivation. So yep. I can't motivate you. I have to create the framework around you so you can self-motivate yourself. Mm. So to do that, I need to make you aware. I need to make you fully understand. Mm. And when you get it and you already have that inspiring vision, okay, maybe now you've got now you've got the no and the go and you'll you yes. go. <laughs> okay. The C is the complex. Well, complexity, uh, we can overcome that by uh, driving clarity. Okay, so we can manage the, we have to manage the vision of where we're going. You know, we've inspired people and we have to, to you know, help on the delivery of it. Okay, so yeah, they know we're going over there. They understand why they've got the no and the go, but there's still going to be some road bumps. Okay, mm. and we're going to have to keep fine tuning and, and, you know, course correcting and, and, and giving that greater clarity. Mm. And the final one is ambiguous. Okay. And to handle ambiguity, I'm using agility. Mm. Okay. Mm. So volatile turned into vision, uncertain turned into understanding, complex turned into clarity and ambiguous turned into agility. Okay. Mm. And just coming up with four different words is already making us pause yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and think about it. Yeah. And we need that space to sort of mm. push the noise away to get that clarity and direction of what we need to do. Mm. It's okay. also sort of yes and words, though, isn't it? That they're quite positive yeah. words. I don't get scared when I hear vision I don't feel fearful when I hear clarity etc cetera, etc cetera. so mm. I think it's a great yeah. framework or should I say this is what mm. I read into it it's a great mm. framework for leaders when they mm. talk about navigating complexity or what you're going to do with this mm. world or mm. it's ah well actually mm. I'm going to be my agent of change I'm going to decide mm. that I'm going to view it through a different lens and I just love the sort of vision understanding clarity agility on that note Rick do you have a final call to action or recommendations for our listeners who are sitting here thinking, yeah, I need to do some work around how I think about the business environment today and how I create my hybrid model. Sure. So listeners who are interested in continuing the conversation or um, learning more about me or exploring more insights from my journey, they can connect uh, with me at my website. Okay. That's rickavanovich.com. I'm also active on LinkedIn and you okay. can find me there. Just search my name, Rick Ivanovich. Okay. Okay. I'll put all these and in the I show believe, notes so that people can find you. I believe there's actually only one person on the planet with that name. It's really it's, you know, seriously wow, that's Google a, that's me. A, no, not many people can say that. Oh, wow. No, I mean, I think uh, just under 7 billion other people can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, my kids have got unique names as well, so I made them all unique. <laughs> wow. So if you want a deeper dive into my perspectives, of course, go read Business That's Unusual or read one of my other books, uh, and that will give you more insight into my beliefs and experiences, and yeah, hopefully you will get some valuable insights. Now, as we close, mm-hmm. I want to leave everybody with another thought or one more thought. 
We are not just participants in this ever-changing business as unusual world. We are architects shaping the course of our lives, our careers, and the world around us. So I encourage all you listeners to embrace change. Define it rather than just adapt to it. Be the catalyst in your own business as unusual world. And the transformation starts with you. And I'm eager to hear about your journey. So go and build your castle. Excellent. I'm going to leave our listeners with that, that they are architects of their own castle. Rick, thank you so much for coming and sharing your experience, your insights, your stories, and more about your book. I will put it all in the show notes so that people can find, one, your website, and two, where to get hold of your book. Thanks for a great conversation. Okay, Susie, I'd like to express my gratitude to you for having me on your podcast today. Pleasure. It's really been a fascinating conversation. I really enjoyed it. And I hope your listeners have enjoyed it as much as I have. And to your listeners, again, I really appreciate taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I look forward to hearing from some of you and learning from your experiences and perhaps sharing in another future in-depth conversation or a discussion. So thank you again, Susie. Thank you, listeners, for this wonderful exchange. Until next time. Excellent. Thank you, Rick. We hope you enjoyed this episode and the insights and learning it gave you. And it's bye from me for now and see you soon for the next episode of Let's Talk Transformation. Mm -hmm.